You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. So apparently, apparently, the Emmys were really boring to a lot of people, and it had the lowest ratings of all time. Who was the host? There was no host well, this time. All right. They did the they did the no host thing. The Oscar way. Uh, well, but the Oscar way. Th- that's the thing, though. Is now this is a thing, right? This has become a trend, and I think a fan asks a question actually about this today. But it's become this trend where I don't think people realize that's not what the trend is. The trend of the Oscars was hire a host, find out something bad he did years ago, judge him for that now, make him quit because he refused to apologize. Have them go on a bit of a tour of apologies and then still don't have a host. The Emmys didn't do that. They were just like, we're just not going to have a host. What happened was at the beginning, Homer Simpson came out. They're like, (laughs) and your host tonight, Homer Simpson. So Homer Simpson comes out and starts speaking and a piano drops on him, which has never really been a Simpsons thing, but I don't know. And then Anthony Anderson hops up and is like, I can solve this and like runs into the back, takes a pause to like steal Emmys and give them to his mom who was there, which was really funny. But then he runs and finds Brian Cranston, throws Brian Cranston on stage and he does a monologue. I don't get it. Like, don't do, don't say no Emmy and then still have someone do a monologue. Yeah, and why wasn't it just Anthony Anderson? He's funny. Is he? <laughs> he, um, he's in Blackish. Um, and he's done like a bunch of comedies. He was a big, like, he's been in a lot of like family movies. Um, okay, for a I very think I long know. time. I think yeah. I know what you're talking and then about. he got his new show, Blackish, a couple years ago. Right. Okay. He's um, the dad on. He's Black-ish. the dad on. Yeah, Black-ish. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who. He yeah, is. and he's quite funny. Um, but yeah, he popped up, and I'm like, oh, they're doing a bit, and like he's the actual host, because he even like what he was wearing wasn't like a tuxedo. He was wearing like a flashy sort of shirt thing. I'm like, okay, clearly he's the host, Psych. and this is the thing. No, he's not. He's just gonna do this bit, and then Brian Cranston comes out and gives a good talk because it's Brian Cranston, but still. Like, I've never watched the Emmys. It's not one. It's not been on my radar usually, but like I had been watching football since one in the afternoon. So I thought, oh, it's like eight, eight o'clock at Let's night. I might like, mix it up, throw in the Emmys. So it was it was fun. I like award shows. Yeah. But yeah, it's not something I get super So do you about. agree that it was as boring as people are saying it is? Well, no, because I like award shows and I don't think it was any worse or better than it. I prefer it with a host because you get the personalities. Like yeah. Some of the best award shows I've seen recently are like the Tonys, which are always have an interesting host. Jimmy Kimmel, I thought, did a good job both years for the Oscars. Um, I just think, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a statement someone was making. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't – if I was an actor in Hollywood or a performer or anyone, I wouldn't want to be called on to host. Because You, you would not. Wouldn't because, because clearly so a bunch scru- of dirt gets – Scrutiny. Yeah, the minute you're put in the public eye these days, you're in trouble. Everyone's looking at your Everyone's Twitter Everyone's going to find something. Um, or if you're Justin Trudeau, they're going to pull out your, <laughs> yeah. uh, your zesty. You know, what's, you know what's really funny about that is I was considering going as Aladdin for Halloween this year. And now you're like. And now Ooh. I was like, you know, I would never have done that. Like I was not going to paint my skin. But now I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm not definitely staying. I'll I'm just staying Hercules. away with it. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm staying away from it. I'm not even going close to it. Not even as a joke. Are, people are going to be like, oh, it's yeah, it's too, too, too soon. And I thought about like, what if I wore like Justin Trudeau always wears just like a white dress shirt. What if I wore, wore like a suit and then on top of it an Aladdin costume, like I'm Justin Trudeau as Aladdin. Funny. That, that would, would be, funny. be funny. But still, I kind of just want to stay away from it. It's too. 
fresh. Um, but again, I think it's like to me, the no host thing was very much just maybe that's the trend because they think they hit upon something. Because the Oscars were quite good this year, I thought, um, despite were not the, having a host. But I don't think that was why. Were the ratings higher than it had been in the past? No, it was the lowest. No, I mean for the Oscars. Oh, no, about, about like, I, I heard about on par. Like, so, not really a huge so increase. It wasn't, not really it wasn't like the Emmys were like, no. the Oscars have solved it. No, no, I think they either got lazy or no, everyone said no. Which, if I, honestly, if I was in Hollywood, I'd say no to. You don't need that. I really would. I you just would be like, drama. I don't need the drama, frankly. Because because that's the, the bad thing is, is, I know there's lots of people listening who'd be like, well, like, you know, they did bad things. True. But everyone has. Every single person. If you dig deep enough. Everyone has done something. You're going to you, find yes. something that you wish you hadn't. Especially, especially if you judge it by today's standards. Which are like, you have to be, people even say bad things about Mother Teresa. And she's a oh, saint. for sure. So- I... <laughs> You, I've I've heard countless jokes in high school and even in university that I I would never hear today. Does mm-hmm. that mean those people are horrible people? No, it means maybe but they grow up and learn. Today's standards. Well, by today's standards, they are. That's the problem, right? Like that's so. It, yeah, I think I think the Emmys were just like we don't want to deal with this. Everyone said no, we're out. Um, we're gonna get to a bunch of fan questions from some new people Ooh. and some people who apparently have been listening for a while but decided never to ask a question till so, now. Long time listener, first time caller. That's what it says. <laughs> so, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into those first, and then we're doing something very special today. Um, this week and next week might be kind of some special episodes as we sort of look at what's opening and go. There's not much opening right now um, as we lead up to the Joker in two weeks. Because um, we don't want to bore you guys. No, we're we gonna do fun hear, things. You're gonna just hear reviews being us of us saying "Don't go." Yeah, and we're, then we're you not get mad at us. Yeah, you. Everyone gets mad when we don't go. <laughs> so we do special themed episode, and then everyone's like, "Well." Why haven't you like reviewed a movie? Can you give us a movie suggestions? Well, we do, and they're bad. And then bad. you yell at us for saying don't go see it. Because I'm telling you, what's opening this weekend is Abominable, um, which is a DreamWorks thing children's about children's movie. movie. We're both going to be like, meh. Like, It'll probably be like, yeah, stream it. <laughs> yeah, cool, stream it, whatever. And I think like right now the screening room hasn't announced anything new opening this weekend, but they have some cool things still playing. Um, but We'll and see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So the first question comes from Ashton, who says, Hi, Taylor and Mike. I'm new to the podcast, and first of all, I'd like to say great show. I haven't quite caught up yet, but I'm sure last year you talked about this. But I wanted to ask, as we get closer to Halloween, do you have do you have either of you have some spooky favorites you'd like to watch around or on Halloween? Thanks. So I was just, as I was driving from Napanee here to the radio station, was thinking um, – Wow, I'd really love to watch Interview with the Vampire. I just suddenly came over me. Um, I think because Axl Rose was singing on the mm-hmm. radio. Mm-hmm. And so, and if listeners, you don't know, there's a Guns N' Roses cover of a Rolling Stone uh, song at the beginning and end of the movie. But anyways, um, so my first pick, just because I'm in the mood for it, would be Interview with a Vampire um, or The Vampire. I never know. It's interview with a vampire, with, isn't it? Uh? Interview with the vampire. Is that really what it's called? I thought it was a vampire. Interview you with a vampire. Think, you would think like with a, but it's actually with really? the. Huh. Um, blame Anne Rice. Okay. <laughs> so that would be my first pick just because, you know, vampires, spooky, it's moody. Um, we're going to have a, obviously a special Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. And you can go, um, I think on our Facebook, we might even have... Um, we might have posted the posters for all of the Halloween movies. I know we for sure year. did for the ones you picked. 
So for sure you can see my picks on um, Facebook from last year. And aside from interview with the vampire, I'd say hold on to your seat for my my list for this year. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, um, we'll be uh, we'll be doing our Halloween episode. And we'll have lots of suggestions, but yeah, I think that other than that, I'm also starting to get in the mood. Like next week is October, so I'll probably start watching some Halloween movies to lead up to it. Um, I can give a couple from last year because I think this year I might take a different approach and talk about different movies. But I think that you know, if you really want to watch really interesting good horror movies the first in whatever horror series depending upon how old you are you're you're familiar with is like probably the best way to start the first saw movie the first purge the first of these movies to sort of see where things kind of begin with because a lot of i've met a lot of people who've never seen saw but have seen saw like five six or seven why i don't know Weird. Because, I mean, you don't really – they don't connect other than – I mean, yeah, you is, technically but... can. Work. I just think it would be weird to, like, jump into the yeah. Saw franchise yeah. at five. But I can see jumping into the Purge franchise. Mm-hmm. So I guess, yeah, I guess the reasoning would be the same for the Saw. The Purge is actually the first one. I haven't watched the other ones um, yet because they haven't really got good reviews. But I say the first Purge movie, good Halloween movie. Yep, yep. I definitely think the first one. It's very, you know, the atmospheric, the tension. Yeah. Anything that builds tension well and has suspense to it, I think, works very well for Halloween. Yeah. Um, Allison is the next uh, fan question. So, hi, Taylor and Mike. I am a longtime listener, but first-time fan questioner. (laughs) (laughs) I think I started listening when the second episode aired and then was hooked uh, when they were released as podcasts later. After listening to your discussion of David Crosby, Remember My Name, I was wondering if each of you would share some of your favorite documentaries. I love documentaries, but due to the limited release they uh, receive, I'm always looking for recommendations from my fellow movie and documentary lovers. If I had to choose my favorites are between Dear Zachary, which I don't think I've actually seen, and The the Act of Killing or Bathtubs over Broadway if you need some laughter. I cannot remember if you've discussed these on your show before, but the interest still stands. Keep up the amazing show, Pumpkins and Penguins. Oh, that's cute. Um, I don't think I've actually seen... Um, I haven't seen any of any those. Any of those. Um, but Bathtubs over Broadway is definitely one I've heard of. Um, but I don't think I've seen any of them. Um, yeah, my my documentaries are kind of um, I, I don't know why, but I I like pretty serious topics in my documentaries. Like I, after, yeah, you know, like escape in movies, but yeah, like but but hard hitting facts. Yeah, I kind of want real life for yeah. whatever reason. In fact, so for me, some of my favorite documentaries have been actually paired up. I think we talked about this before when when watching. Um, when watching the, the Ted Bundy movie and then watching yeah. the Ted Bundy tapes. Right. Like, I thought I thought the Ted Bundy tapes was a very good, well-done documentary. Riveting. Yeah, very riveting. And there was a great documentary about Chernobyl after the Chernobyl series came out right. that's on Crave that was, I can't remember the name of it. I think it might even just be called Chernobyl or the story of Chernobyl. It was also very riveting. And I kind of like that serious tone of, like, here are serious things that happen and we're taking a look at it. Because, I, again, I, the truth and honesty mm-hmm. of it and learning about those things. So a lot of my documentary choices, uh, favorite ones would be serious. But I I may not agree with every single way he does things, but I will I will watch a Michael Moore documentary at the drop of a hat. They're like entertaining. He's, he's entertaining and he knows how – he's a filmmaker. He yeah. knows how to make it good. So th- those ones are definitely just some of the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I don't know if you um, have Crave, Allison, but if you do, 
Crave TV is worth getting just for the documentaries alone. Yeah. Because they get all of the HBO documentaries. Mm -hmm. The Circus, which is a fantastic documentary series about the last election in the U.S. and how Trump ended up winning. There's a lot of really good political ones if you're interested in that. Um, I also just saw, I want to quickly note, a documentary, and I keep forgetting its name. And I saw it. It was something, the Blue Note something. I just saw it this weekend, but just as like a... Wednesday. At 3.20. Oh, yes. Okay. Blue Note Records, Beyond the Note. So as most people who listen to this podcast know, I'm not a huge music person. But this is a really good documentary about a record label for a lot of jazz artists um, who were just being discovered. Like a lot of very famous musicians are just being discovered and kind of how this record label came to be. It's a very good documentary. It's under an hour and a half long. It's very – but it's very concise. Like it never felt short. It never felt long. And it got – like I've never seen a documentary just like here's all the information. We're going to get it to you in a concise way. You Maybe, feel satisfied. Maybe, you know, like a t- when you watch a documentary on TV, mm-hmm. it's like normally 50 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So. So I don't know, um, Allison, if you're in Kingston or you can probably find that. But if you're a music fan, the Blue Notes Records documentary, I really enjoyed it. And I don't even like music. My top picks and these are – Typically with documentaries, I would say you don't rewatch them. You know, you, no. you've seen them. You know, you you find them interesting. Maybe you do a little bit of research on the topic later. Um, but they're normally, I would say, typically one-offs. Yeah. However, there are a couple documentaries that I've watched more than once and would watch again. Um, In Bed with Madonna is, which mm-hmm. I've brought up on the show before. Mm-hmm. It's a um, tour documentary of her Blonde Ambition tour. The one that had her... Um, uh, she almost got arrested for, like, public indecency in Toronto. Like, she was, like, she was oh, almost, geez. she was almost, what do they call it, um, deported from Canada really? because of this tour. Almost deported. Um, and I believe it was either 1990 or 91. Like, it's very early 90s. Um, the documentary itself is amazing, and the controversy surrounding the documentary is really interesting because... The, her backup dancers that are portrayed in the film with her, they kind of become almost main characters. And they have since sued her, saying that they were exploited, that mm-hmm. she manipulated um, sort of their identities and took advantage of the fact that they were gay and used that as sort of, you know, um, almost like the, the sensationalism of it. Really? So anyway, so... The documentary itself is super cool. Um, if you're a fan of Madonna... Because it's a tour documentary, you see her live performances of all her big hits, and then you see her off the stage. I think at this time, she was, like, dating a famous actor. Anyway, so it's just super, super interesting. Um, It's called In Bed with Madonna, but it also is known by another name. But if you search In Bed with Madonna, you'll, you'll find it. The other documentary has a crazy name. Something about, like, cowboys. I have it on my DVD shelf, so I'll have to, like, go back and find it to tell you guys what the full name of the movie is. But it's about um, Japanese, um, like, ho- Japanese hosts. So in Japanese bar cultures, um, there's bars catering to a male clientele and then catering to a female clientele. And typically... Um, people, if they know a little bit about Japanese culture, there's a large emphasis on these hostess bars. So Mm. women sort of catering to men and, you know, they flirt with them and, and they drink together and stuff. But this documentary is about hosts. 
So it's the the employees are male and women come into the bars and the hosts are essentially paid to flirt with the women, make them feel comfortable, essentially get them to like kind of fall in love with them. They're not what? prostitutes <laughs> because there's never there's like there's never a sexual transaction, right. but it's definitely like like pseudo sexual and it's highly like it's very romantically charged and so the documentary is about the life of these these young men who are hosts and what's really interesting is that a lot of their clientele are the female hostess that work at the hostess bars so these women their job their day job or their night job is essentially to do the same thing with male customers and so because they can't have normal relationships, yeah, yeah, they, they do, fill they the fill void this, by going. Yeah. And so a lot of these male hosts have like a lot of sort of emotional problems. I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> because of the nature. So like it's a very interesting um, look into um, just like a subset of society that in Canada we're not really familiar with because we don't have the same sort of um, – we don't have the same setup in terms of bars. Like no, we not wouldn't, really, no. you know, the closest thing would be a strip club, but these things in my mind aren't even comparable. No, that wouldn't be comparable. And this is such an odd thing that I didn't know existed. Yeah, and they like sing karaoke together and like the women like buy drinks for the, like they, the way the bars make money right. is that the women are buying like lots and lots of champagne. Yeah. So the men. So it's like a strip club, but you're taking sort of the sexuality out of it and you're replacing it with romance and, companionship. and companionship and like, you know, kind of like basic level flirting, mm-hmm. like that type of thing. And it's a bar as opposed to like, yeah. like you would it's in like a, a bar, which is people. Bar. Yeah. Gotcha. And wow. you see how like the women are falling in love with these men but these men have to like they want the women to keep coming back so they don't they don't reject them but they also are like this isn't like she thinks i'm her boyfriend but like she just pays me to drink with her so it's a very interesting documentary i'm sorry i don't know the remember the name of it because it's like it's a it's like something about plastic cowboys in space like it just has like a really weird name we'll, we'll put it out on social media once yeah. you have the name we'll like so throw it out there. in bed with madonna that cowboy <laughs> documentary wow and there was one other one that i was gonna recommend that i just can't think of but those two ones i've rewatched would rewatch again i own the one about the japanese um hostess hosts um so super interesting wow there you go. Um, Christopher writes in. Oh, hi. I remember the other oh. one I was going to mention. Yep. <laughs> and I've mentioned on the show before. It's about the woman who cut her husband's penis off. Right. Yes. You have mentioned that before. Um, on also. Amazon Prime. I forget. It's her name. It's like, um, it's just like. This. Yeah. But the, yeah, this one's on Amazon. Yes. So it's, that's yeah, on Amazon. Yeah. It'll be easy to pro- find because literally you just Google documentary about a woman who cut her husband's penis off. Um. <laughs> Also, Lorna, I think it's what it's called. Because okay, I think her name's Lorna or something along those lines. Those are my three top picks. There you go. <laughs> um, Christopher writes in, um, I know this is a movie podcast, but I had a somewhat TV-related question and comment. I watched the Emmys on Sunday, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the now no-host trend, and if either of you have any thoughts on why these award shows are always so boring. It's odd uh, because I find so many of these people funny and entertaining, yet uh, in this setting they seem a little stiff. Do either of you find it that way? Are you into award shows aside from the Oscars? Thanks for a great weekly distraction. Um, yeah, I mean, we touched upon this a little bit. I think that – I only think they're boring if you – I mean, it's an award show. So 
what it's do you expect? It's boring in the sense of like when you go to a graduation and you have to watch all these people win. There is no other way to do awards than this. To just list them. Yeah, to just list them and and have people come. I think, though, what you could do to fix the ratings is start streaming it. Most of the shows that won, run last oh, night yeah, were like if, on streaming services. If I – the only reason why I don't watch the Oscars is because I don't have cable. Mm-hmm. But if I was able to stream it on Crave or mm-hmm. Amazon or Netflix, yeah, yeah I would watch it. Uh, it's just about the – who like it's about Accessibility. the academy, the, the, all the academies – Sitting down and going, okay, we're going to broadcast it on a network, but we're also going to sell the rights to one of the streaming streaming services. services. And there you go. It kind of fixes everything. Um, I don't understand why you can't do both. Things can be on both air and and on streaming services. You can can broadcast it and you can stream it. You can do both. Um, Saturday Night Live does a cool thing now where they upload sketches to Twitter during the evening. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, you're not what, but they're also getting hits off Twitter, and then that's helping their advertisers. Like, it's, again, I don't understand. It's so simple, but, like, whatever. Um, it's because old people run the Yeah, <laughs> it's like, how do you not get this? Um, but it, I have something to say about the funny comment. Christopher, I think it's because the people aren't funny. I think you're misunderstanding the people. Like, some actors are very funny, I'm sure. Like, Will Ferrell's probably a probably, riot. Probably a riot as a person. But, like, most of the other people are actors saying lines from funny people who write them. And I think a lot of actors, like you get a mix of them, but I don't know, I guess someone who went to like theater school, a lot of people who go into theater are not the in extroverts. They're right. the introverts. So having them stand up and do an award, like Bill Hader talks about all the time how he, he, I mean, he seems very funny, but he suffers from anxiety. Right. So he doesn't like public speaking. So uh, he would be stiff. Yeah. Because he just gets up there, says his things, probably memorized it. So I think that's probably like, why. Like, I don't think Scarlett Johansson would be a laugh riot in no. person. And most of the people who, who, you know, gave speeches, they're not – no, they're, they're, they're probably not that dramatic funny. Dramatic actors. They're either dramatic actors or if they are comedic actors, they're just – they yeah, they, they have good comedic timing, but they are, they're re- they writing don't write someone, their yeah, own jokes. They're reading someone else's words is kind of the point and that I'm making. And someone probably also wrote yeah. their speeches. So that's probably why you think some of the people – and that's why I'm saying some and not all. Like I'm sure – even like from watching last night, there are some people who are naturally very funny. Yeah. Um, ben Stiller presented um, and gave a little thing with Bob Newhart, and the two of them were very funny together. So that was – that was that's just two people who have funny personalities riffing off each other. Um but, we also you know, assume that they're like all buddies in reality. Like it's like colleagues, right? Yeah, colleagues. Always... And sometimes you've only met them a handful of times. Yeah. You don't know everybody. So that's probably what you're picking up on. But yeah, it's an important thing to remember about stars is they don't – they're not reading their own words. There's a writer just, who's put that they're together. They're just people too. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last question comes from Sarah. I'm sick of all the drama. Can either of you suggest a good comedy to brighten my week? There are about three question marks. Um, looking for new movies to watch or ones that I haven't seen, comedy suggestions. So recently um, when the drive-in, it was like the last weekend to go to the drive-in before the drive-in before closed the drive-in forever closed, in yes. Kingston. I, I always forget that some of our listeners aren't from the Kingston area or even from Canada. Um, yeah. So in Kingston, Ontario, we had a drive-in and it closed, unfortunately. Um, so the last weekend that it was open, Good Boys was playing, mm-hmm. um, which was really funny. Yeah. Like laugh out loud funny. So I would, as a new com, if you're looking for like a new comedy, um, Good Boys would be my choice. I think I reviewed it on the show. Maybe not. Um, I don't think we did. It might have no. fallen on a weekend where yeah. I was off. But yeah. um, it's like the little kids are really charismatic 
and they have really good chemistry between so there's three main boys that are best friends and they're talk about good comedic timing even though they're reading like grown up like a grown up wrote the lines like it seemed yeah. like pretty realistic to how middle schoolers would have talked and and you know it's always funny to say see a little kid say like a dirty word and a lot <laughs> yeah. of the humor comes from them comes like, from that yeah. not them not actually knowing what dirty words what they're saying yeah, like yeah. you know them trying to like figure out sex yes and they yeah, don't yeah. <laughs> they have no um yeah it's just like they're like they're trying to figure out kissing so they watch porn and they're like <laughs> they didn't even kiss like where are you supposed to kiss her like it's just like you know <laughs> yeah, like really just, cute yeah them. they're trying to figure it out yeah, yeah so it was it was funny i think it's worth a watch yeah okay good boys yeah i for me like definitely recently i haven't seen any new comedies that have really jumped out um i like to revisit some comedies like i just recently rewatched the five-year engagement um, which is a comedy with Jason Siegel and Emily Blunt, yeah. where it goes across five years um, of these two people being engaged to each other and kind of the things that happen at the beginning of relationships and when you're like trying to plan a wedding and the stresses that and come with it. And why it keeps being put off. Yeah, why stuff. it keeps getting put off and like what, you know, and, and I think, you know, not to spoil it or anything, but I think the moral of it is to kind of just relax when it comes yeah. to certain things. Like just because you're planning a wedding doesn't mean it's the be all end all. Um, so I think that like that, that was a real funny uh, movie to revisit but i don't think i can think of anything else like recent like recent there hasn't been any like no blockbuster that's that's comedies problem <laughs> like we saw late night definitely but a skip it late um, night wasn't that funny my favorite comedy is bedazzled not the remake with brendan fraser but the, the one the from the 60s okay. with um oh, it's two famous british comedians and of course I can't remember their names, but they were, it's Peter Cook and his, like, his comedy partner. Um, and if you haven't seen the remake of Bedazzled, the premise of the movie is that there's a short order cook and his life is super depressing and he tries to kill himself. And then the devil comes <laughs> named George. Um, and George says, you know, why kill yourself when you can sell your soul to me and I'll make all your wildest dreams come true. Um, but of course, uh, he's making suit. a deal with the devil. <laughs> and so, you know, so it's a, if you like British comedy, it's a little bit zany, especially like kind of classic Brit, like of not as zany as Monty Python, but definitely like goofy. And I feel like British comedy is a kind of a distinctive genre. Yeah. So if you haven't watched British comedy, give this one a try. Bedazzled from the sixties. Um, very funny, good acting. I did recently rewatch A League of Their Own, which I know has dramatic parts to it, but I find it hilarious. Yeah. Oh, I think it's another one of Madonna the fun- show. Yeah, but like, yeah, Madonna's in it. Uh, Gina Davis, Tom Hanks, but just Tom Hanks, who That's is my friend Katie Wilson's favorite movie. Really, is favorite of all time. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's pretty good. Like I remember watching it a lot as a kid, but what I like about it is Tom Hanks, who is like America's dad, is playing such a crude awful old baseball player who who got hurt and was drunk and was just completely different yeah and just his frustration with uh, this is about the so for those who don't know it's about the the first women's um professional baseball all the boys they, have gone to they war. went to war so they they made a four-team uh women's women's league. league which actually went on to 
continue for a long time. Um, and Tom Hanks plays this old grizzled was hurt. He's got bad knees, so he's not at war, and he's like doesn't want to be doesn't want to be there, and he's a drunk, and he's their coach, and it that I find the comedy comes out of that. It is a very heartwarming story, and it's, a lot of it's about friendship and and uh, two sisters and how they kind of interact with each other. But there's so much comedy out of out of his interaction with them that it's it's one I recommend. And a quick Brendan Fraser shout out George of the Jungle. Yeah, that's a good one. Great comedy. I w- I'm glad that he's having a renaissance. Yeah, I'm glad to see he's back doing things because I always like enjoy Brendan Fraser movies. I always remember he, he was... had like a tough, like his his personal life. Yeah, kind of derailed, derailed him. Derailed him. Yeah, but for a while there, like in the late '90s and even the early, you went into the early 2000s. It's like every summer you got a Will Smith and a Brendan he Fraser was, movie. Like those were the two action movies, right? Deal. Like yeah, he had he was like I guess you know Mike. The comparison would be like a Chris Pratt now. Yes. You know, kind of yes. pops up in a bunch of different things, but has that comedic touch, but does the Handsome. kind of comedic, like, comedic action film. Yeah. Yeah. He had, a, like, a horrible back injury, and then yeah. I think he had a horrible divorce. He did, yeah. No, and he had, like, that, and that's, like, fair. Like, a lot of yeah. personal things came in, but I'm glad to see him doing things again, because he was always, like, fun. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he just, he, yeah, he's not, he's not going to win a million Oscars, but it doesn't mean it's not entertaining. I'm I'm all for a very consistent actor. Yeah, absolutely. You never get Although a bad he deserves an Oscar for the mummy. <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't know about an Oscar for the mummy. He was great in the He mummy. was really good in it. Um and but I don't know. I don't know. I think I actually think his his best movie for, for him acting wise was the one um very quirky movie. When he he emerges, he emerges from the bunker. What is that that? called? It's uh, to me that's one of his best performances. That is because he plays this like man child who has never been above ground. Pleasantville, no, not Pleasantville. No, Pleasantville's also fun, but he's not in that. Um, It's like Blast from the Past. I think that's what it's called. I'm double checking um, that, but I'm pretty sure it's called Blast. And Christopher Walken plays his dad. Yes, it's a real. That's a really good movie too. What's interesting about that is even before, yeah, Blast from the Past. That's what it's called. Even before, kind of the new age of of culture and everything, he's a very sort of out of time person. So he's almost like more gentlemanly mm-hmm. and more. It's kind of like a Kate and Leopold situation yeah. where he meets a girl from kind of that time. Also a good movie. Bugger. Yeah, Kate and Leopold. <laughs> <laughs> different not brendan fraser but he i actually think his performance in that just playing this very earnest very yeah, wholesome wholesome person very different than what you normally see him yeah. play i think he does a really good job in it good movie um so thank you to everybody for your fan questions if you want to know how to contribute just send us an email to screening kingston at gmail.com and we'll feature you on the show very quickly i wanted to just run down a couple highlights from the emmys just because we did have a fan question about it and we're can, we're interested in television one of the interesting things to me is is i think the most deserving winner and the person i didn't think was going to win it was the outstanding lead actor went to bill Hader for the tv show barry you've mentioned you like that show i really like barry it's had two seasons i think it's an incredible piece of television um it's about an assassin who wants to become an actor um but he's not very good nope (laughs) but uh there's a lot of really cool things in there and anyone who's ever taken an acting class or interacts with theater people will understand the world he walks into and how funny it is. And um, the Fonz himself, um, 
Henry Winkler plays uh, his acting teacher. And it's very funny. It's very dramatic. Um, an HBO, right? An it HBO is an HBO. Production? So, But I have Crave, so get it on yeah. Crave. Get Crave, another reason. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to Bill Hader. Well-deserved win. Um, only walking away with two of their 12 nominations wins were Game of Thrones. Good. Best drama. And Peter Dinklage won again. Classic. Um, they don't deserve best drama, but it's their last year. It's their year, last year. So whatever. Um, Give but it to them. the big surprise for me and the one that like swept a bunch of board was the uh, new show Fleabag. Nicole loves that show. Based, Our TIFF correspondent. Yeah. Apparently it's based on a, a play that was- A British. Yeah. A British play that, that then was converted into a, a series. And yeah, won a bunch of awards. The writer of Fleabag- um, Daniel Craig wants her to write the new Bond movie. Does oh there He's you go. He's a huge fan of Fleabag, and he wants to bring the show. I don't know why Daniel Craig has this much creative control over the series. Probably because he hates being there. Probably because the he directors hates being will there. do anything. Yeah, and to... he's like, I'm if I'm doing this, <laughs> you're doing it my I way. I want her to so write. I, it, yeah, I, he. I think he wants to bring it bring in more of the comedy from like you know how in the '60s and the '70s, I think there was more comedic aspects. Yeah. To the, to the Bond movie so um, I don't know that made headlines quite a few months ago so I don't know if they ended up securing her hmm. to write the script but I know Daniel Craig said I love Fleabag I want her to write the script yeah and I mean that would be great I mean from every clip they sh- they saw it was very witty very like quick on its feet I'm very interested now like this is why I love the Emmys is these opportunities now I can look at this show and try to hmm. find it. I think it's an Amazon one which Amazon won a bunch of awards last night or the night before, whenever it was. Um, another one, Chernobyl, outstanding limited a, series. That's not a surprise, though. No. With the amount of buzz it's gotten. Um, but it's it's well-deserving. Uh, there's one here, um, Fosse Verndon. Yep. I never heard of it until last night. Michelle Williams won um, Best, Actress. Best Actress for it, and it was nominated for limited series. But it looks interesting. Bob Fosse, and I guess a woman he was either – partnered with or involved with in some capacity it in like was her like journey and his muse slash lover slash co-worker yeah. and how like the show is about the evolution of their relationship yeah that would be very fascinating to me especially during the time in which Fosse was around and certainly the way women especially in hollywood were utilized were mm-hmm. so limited even though it's only starting to somewhat get better now it was even worse and i'd be interested to see what they kind of dive into from that one so that's that looks interesting to me um, otherwise, I think like really th- there was, it was a lot more of a widespread winners. Like I think real aside from if I, I mean, last week tonight winning again, um, aside from game of Fro- Thrones winning a few, I think Ozark won a couple acting awards and then pretty much, uh, Fleabag won the most of the different awards throughout the evening, um, which was kind of cool to see. So it's getting a good buzz. Yeah. I'm definitely interested to, to check it out. You know, you said it was on Amazon. I almost feel like it's on Netflix. Is it? It's on one of them. You can stream I th- it. I thought it was an Amazon because I know Amazon, like Amazon Prime's, the, like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel won a bunch of stuff again. Great show also. Um, also Amazon Prime. So I think that there was a couple things at once. Yeah, maybe Fleabag's not on Amazon, but Or maybe, you one. know, I just saw an article. I think it said Netflix is kicking themselves for not Yeah, maybe that's up. what it is. Yeah, because yeah, so they didn't pick why, it up. Um, so, yeah, one of the streaming services. So now we're going to uh, do something a little different. Last week we talked about Face Off 
and how that movie is coming back. They're doing a remake of it. Um, for those of you who don't know what it is, uh, Taylor is about to describe it to you and review it because <laughs> Taylor sat down and watched Face Off. Take it away, Taylor. Yeah, I went down the rabbit hole. You need to add the audio bite of Nicolas Cage going, I want his face, face off. off. <laughs> So that uh, <laughs> that should pretty much give you an idea of what this movie is about. Well, we'll see. Maybe uh, if if I get so inspired, maybe that will yeah. be our not a great plan segue. I want his face. So for people who don't know, this is literally a critically acclaimed film. Yes, it is. <laughs> from 1997. Critics at the time loved it and it continues to have very high <laughs> ratings. Yeah. <laughs> You watch it and you think this is a B movie, and yet yeah. it, is, it is critically acclaimed. <laughs> you watch it and you think this is garbage, but like people loved it. People loved it um, then and now. Yeah. Um, so it stars Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Nicolas Cage is a domestic terrorist named uh, Caster Troy, mm-hmm. and <laughs> um, John Travolta plays the FBI agent Sean Archer who is tracking him and also has sort of a vendetta mm-hmm. against him. There's a person, there's a vendetta. There. Yeah, there's because in the there. first like opening scenes of the movie, you see that um, Caster Troy tries to murder John Travolta, but instead shoots his young son. Mm-hmm. So flash forward to six years later, and John Travolta is still on um, Nicolas Cage's tail. Mm-hmm. Um and um, through a series of events, which I will not ruin for anyone. Don't ruin it. <laughs> um, they switch faces. And not just their faces, their voice, their... But, like, that's almost it. They have the technology. And you would think that anyone who knows someone intimately would notice other differences other than there's just a face But and they a voice. do say like they even changed they like got rid of John Travolta's love handle mm-hmm. you know what? like they, they do, do like little things yeah they do little things but like they don't they didn't like swap bodies too, It's not like it's not like, it's point, not like a perfect swap because no. <laughs> Caster Troy's brother um who has a crazy name like Praxis or something um kind of knows that it's not his brother but like can't quite put his can't yeah like it. you would know if you knew someone very well you would know there was something up and know? yet in the movie they're able to dupe every single person so the movie <laughs> then becomes sort of a cat and mouse because they've assumed each other's lives mm-hmm. and obviously john travolta wants his body back because he's like an acclaimed fbi agent and doesn't want to be an international terrorist and the um nicholas cage character um, gets bored kind of being you know he wants to still be an evil terrorist so at one point they the, the goal is that they want to swap back but also kill each other and john travolta and nicholas cage are two very um out idiosyncratic is that the word like they're very like physical in their acting and very like out there and, and very the reviews that's what they rave about they're like oh my gosh John Travolta and Nicolas Cage gave, like, the best acting. And, like, granted, it is pretty good. Like, it's believable. Yeah, they do pretty good impressions almost of each of other. Of each other. Because that's yeah. the thing. So in the – it's one of those things where it's hard to wrap your head around. But, like, John Travolta is playing Nicolas Cage playing John Travolta. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, three And then to it, yeah. Nicolas Cage is playing John Travolta who's playing Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So <laughs> – 
when you think when you break it down like that, you're like, yeah, wow, they are doing. Like, <laughs> yeah. When you break it down like that, you're like, wow, they are good. Like, yeah, this is, I can't believe they're doing impressive. this. Yeah, I think. Um, because John Travolta is playing Nicolas Cage, he got to have more fun mm-hmm. because he's technically playing the villain. Yes. Um, and so, and he really got to adopt like Nicolas Cage's like very like flamboyant out of the like crazy mm-hmm. behavior. Mm-hmm. And Nicolas Cage had to do sort of a more like reserved Nicolas Cage because he's trying to play yes. the FBI yes. agent. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's as crazy as you. The only way for you to experience this movie is to see. This oh, if movie. you haven't seen this movie, you have to go see it. I mean, this is just one of the like you have to like rent it. Yeah, this is one of those movies that you just have to watch. This would be a great movie for the screening room to have like a, a cult movie night, oh, absolutely. like a like a midnight madness where they showed this yeah. and then like another movie back to back because it's. I watched it on my TV, but it's definitely one that like you wish you could see in the theater. So there's like a bunch of people, and it's just, you know, everyone like everyone was like, "Wow, these action sequences." I think the movie's dated. Like we don't make movies the way. Yeah, it's yeah, um, it's different. But it's it's funny. It's fun. It's weird. Um, Nicholas Cage always acts as if he's completely improving every scene. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's completely scripted, he acts yeah, like, as though he's improving. Like there's one line where he was like, and I'm gonna use a B word, so the censors at B Warning. Warning. Child alert to our young audience. At the opening of the movie, Nicholas Cage goes, fly the plane, bitch, to like the male pilot. <laughs> Just like his delivery made it seem like he just improved that. Like, yeah. fly the plane, bitch. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I can't. You can't do Nicolas Cage justice unless you. Yeah. It's like my review of Mandy. I'm like, yeah. I I have no words for Mandy. Please just go see it. It's it's a delight to watch Nicolas Cage on screen. And it was a delight to watch John Travolta play Nicolas Cage. That's the screen. thing about this movie is is. It's interesting, and it actually works into our rating system a lot better than another rating system mm-hmm. because, really, like I would give this movie a see it, not because it's a particularly good movie. It's not a good movie, but you should see it. <laughs> like it's you fun should see it. Like watch this movie to like yeah to see it with your buddies. I watched it with Dan, so it was a good time. We're just kind of both like, what? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta let it wash over you. Now, um, in, without without. I want a delicate topic because one of these characters is a wife. Yes. Don't you believe the wife should have known? Would would have should have known sooner. Yeah. Because like she not yeah not to give anything away. But but I mean like like, for how long it goes on. I feel like she does kind of know something's up. But was like she figured like she definitely knows something's up. But it's one of those things where she's like maybe can't put her finger on it or whatever. But like and she's like I'm just happy my husband's giving me attention. Yeah, yeah. But that should have been like that should have been the the, the first. Like he does like what's going on a complete 180 in terms of his family life because he's devoted his whole life to tracking down his nemesis and has neglected his family because of it. So like if I was the wife, I'd be like he must be having an affair because why else would he all of a sudden you would think something's up. but she's definitely just like goes with the flow. <laughs> and um, yeah. So now that you've seen it, any more thoughts on who you would want to have play it? So I had a little think, think at work mm-hmm. during a, a low time. And I would like, you need, we talked about this on last episode. You need, first, it has to be 
household names. Mm-hmm. These, because the I think the star power of the original was yeah. that like Nicolas Cage and John Travolta in '97, they were big, big yeah, names, right? Were, yeah. Less so now, but like at the time. So you need to have two actors that are big. Yeah. They also have to be willing to go there. Yes. <laughs> and someone who gives wacky performances but takes themselves so seriously. I'm wondering if we pick the same, same so, two people because we might have. I kind of have two. <laughs> okay. Um, the first being Jared Leto as Caster Troy mm-hmm. because he's supposed to kind of be like – I mean, Nicolas Cage isn't really sexy, but they make him sort of this, like, right. international. Right, yeah, yeah. And Jared Leto actually is handsome, so I feel like Jared Leto as Caster Troy and Joaquin Phoenix as Sean Ar- Archer. <laughs> right. Um, and interestingly, when I was doing my little bit of research, Jared Leto is 47. Joaquin Phoenix, 44. Really? Jared Leto is older than Joaquin Phoenix. I, I would have, yeah, I would not have guessed that. Because I, I was, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, Caster Troy seems younger mm-hmm. than Sean Archer. Um, so that's why I was just like, out of curiosity, looked up their ages. Yeah. But yeah. So that would be my first okay. pick. And What's then the second pick? The second one, flip Joaquin Phoenix, because he can okay. play both. Yes, he, he can. can. play Absolutely. either or. Yeah, yeah. He can be the, the you know, the driven to obsession fbi agent who's more or less the white hat and mm-hmm. he can also play like the insane um mm-hmm. sex obsessed black hat so joaquin phoenix as caster troy and then christian bale mm-hmm. as sean yeah. archer that's a good one that's a good and one. so i christian feel bale, like yeah. that would be so two picks i i also picked two one is like i'm going for an oscar okay and the other is i just want Dream. two action stars right so my two action stars one are Keanu Reeves and Tom Cruise. I Okay, but Keanu being... Keanu would be Caster Troy, in right. my opinion. Because, I, right. again, for a lot of the similar reasons to say, like, I feel like Keanu Reeves can kind of play that suaveness mm-hmm. really naturally. And Tom Cruise is believable as, like, the FBI I'm person. Like, good, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm going to chase after you. But then seeing them do impressions of each other would be really interesting. That would interesting. be fun, yeah. Uh, and then my I'm going for an Oscar pick is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Leonardo DiCaprio. Good, good casting. Uh, and I think in either role. Yeah. I think you could just swap them in anyway. Yeah. Because I, I think they're both quirky enough that see, again, the impressions of each other, but they would be like, we're taking this super seriously. And they do have, you know, their their isms, right? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, in listening to your description, I didn't pick action stars, which is a big component of the movie, Absolutely, actually. absolutely. But I feel like Joaquin and Christian and Jared Leto, they would all... Well, Christian Bale was Batman. Jared Leto was was a Joker. I mean, they can do action. Yeah, I think they've proven that. So I feel like you know they could they, they could do it. Um. Yeah. So that would be both very Damn. interesting and very different. It would be. It would be very films. different. Um, Keanu, interesting. Yeah, I think Keanu would be really. I think if they were to remake it, Keanu would be the first but then person I put in that role. Just be um, that surf movie he's in where he's chasing the. Yeah. Bodie. What's yeah. that? Oh, um, Point Break. <laughs> it would just be yeah. Point Break, but they switch their Face off his, like, Point Break. When he's, of course it's going to be like that. That's what the 90s were. It was like 20 Point Break movies. Like, That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really think Keanu Reeves would be, would be really good. So it'll be interesting to see how – oh, what I wanted to mention was originally it was supposed to be 
Sylvester Stallone and Arnold, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger, yeah, which would have been interesting. And that would have been like different. a true action. Oh, movie. it would not have been what it was today. Yeah, if it was that, there's no way. It would have just been a straight, and you yeah. would have watched it, and you know people would have loved it, but yeah. for different, yeah, completely different yeah. reasons, completely different. Reasons. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of this movie. Yeah, um, if they're gonna go with like young Hollywood, although to me the characters should be. I think the, any of the people we've older mentioned, established. Yeah. like Christian Bale, like to me, like my short list would be Keanu Reeves, Christian Bale, Joaquin Phoenix, Jared Leto, like Tom Cruise, like that type of list. Yeah. They've been around, they're known, a little bit older, but can still do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would work. Cool. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get to some movie headlines uh, with Not a Great Plan. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, beloved by every single listener, Not a Great Plan. Let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod, a super soldier, living legend who kind of lives up to the legend, a man with breathtaking anger management issues, a couple of master assassins, and you, big fella, you've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. That's right, it's not a great plan where we take a look at headlines and current movie news and see what Tony Stark thinks of them. Here's our first headline. Judge tentatively sides with Jackson Estate in HBO leaving Neverland case. Not a great plan. I'd like to take his his face off. Interesting. I was wondering where all this was going to go. So for people who don't know, essentially um, HBO has been trying to block the the Jackson Estate from entering arbitration over the airing of Leaving Neverland. So your first thought may be, oh, the estate is trying to block what they, maybe they're like saying it's slander or whatever, but really it's the state alleges that the network decision to show the docuseries violated a non-disparagement stipulation of a 26-year-old contract between Jackson and HBO. So Mm. in 1992, um, they aired a concert of michael jackson Mm -hmm. and apparently within this contract they said you know um they've really restricted what hbo can can say and show about um michael so a non-disparagement provision and this is based on canadian law so i don't know i had to look this up um it typically restricts when an employee what an employee can and cannot say about an employer following the separation of employment so from my understanding of that Probably what happened is um, the estate made an agreement saying once once you've shown this con- concert right. documentary in 1992, there are certain things you can and cannot say about, about Michael Jackson. So now they're alleging um, that showing this documentary series is violating that 26-year-old contract. Okay. And the judge has sided with um, the family okay. saying, yes, the HBO, you violated this contract. Um, and, but it may be overturned and it probably will be. And for the, for the, the judge, he's like, this is just two major players, two super rich people trying to hash it out in court. HBO, suck it up. You're super rich. I'm giving this to the family. Right. Okay. Um, so it's interesting. I don't know. 
I thought it would be like a little bit juicier. It's yeah. very, it's like very, it's like very le- legal. Yeah, it's not going after any of the discussions of the actual I- issues involved. But that's it's smart just... of the family to oh, do very that much way. So. Being like, oh, we're not going after you for slandering Michael. We're going after you from this really for obscure twenty-six-year-old. Yeah, you know, yeah. where you guys agreed you wouldn't say things about Michael, and now you're you're doing whatever. Um, so we'll see what happens. Interesting. Yeah, I, I am interested to see where this goes because when some of these damning documentaries do come out, it's interesting to see what the backlash yeah. is and what does happen. Often nothing, but, you know, the, the, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Okay, what's the next headline? It's a smoking hot day in the neighborhood thanks to this sexy Mr. Rogers costume. Not a great plan. I'd like to take his, his face off. So, um... As you know, at Halloween, um, oftentimes both men and women would like to dress up in sexy costumes. And because of that, sometimes things that aren't sexy are made sexy for Halloween purposes. And the newest thing that wasn't sexy that's been made sexy is Mr. Rogers. So the costume (laughs) consists of gray hot pants, so like short shorts, because, you know, he used to wear gray slacks. Uh So instead of gray slacks, it's gray short shorts. And instead of his full cardigan, it's a red cropped cardigan with a tie kind of sewed in. So that's the sexy it, Mr. Rogers costume that you can wear. Uh, designed for a female. But oh, I'm designed sure. for a female. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, if you're a man and want to wear a sexy Mr. Rogers costume, you may fit into it. And then in a separate, like, you know how sometimes you can buy accessories for your costumes in, like, sec- separate packs? Sure. They're selling his puppets uh-huh. that you can get to go with the sexy Are the puppets sexy i think they're just poor oh, knockoff okay. um i have a question mm-hmm. if you're a male and you're at a halloween party and you see a female in dressed a... as sexy mr rogers yeah and you're like wow i'm interested in that doesn't that say something about you your latent desires oh 100 percent. but okay. that mike you and i are adults and you know let the adults do what they want to do as long <laughs> yeah, as it's, it's you know yeah. oh no it's fine as, i have yeah, no like, problem with it i'm just confused i think like if i was a man and i saw a woman wearing that it would be less like my interest in her would be less about like the sexy costume and more like she must be an interesting person honestly i don't even think even the way you described it i don't think i'd get it i don't think no, at like, first glance i'd be like I mr rogers saw, like i wouldn't get it i'd be like what is like this? our our listeners can google it like i got this headline from the av club so i'm sure if you google sexy mr rogers costume you're gonna find it although beware because that might be opening a kettle of fish on the if internet you google anything it opens a kettle of yeah fish. <laughs> but um yeah like it's not even like like a, it doesn't read as Mr. Rogers, and B, it doesn't even really read as sexy. She's just wearing like it doesn't, a... <laughs> so it accomplishes nothing of what like you I'm want. like oh she's wearing short shorts and a cropped cardigan, which is like pretty much what you see on campus any day of the week. Yeah, I've never understood like to me Halloween like our kind of discussion of like my, my interest in dressing up as Aladdin has nothing to do with with dressing up like I normally dress up. Like that's the idea of of costuming for for well, halloween to me is like think, do something different maybe these th- girls think in my daily life i don't dress like mr rogers i guess so tonight is the night it's probably true. um okay well definitely a weird one hey to each his own power to you i fully support whatever uh decision i guess you because make, there's been a lot of um 
Mr. Rogers Buzz. It's been a, this yeah, costume been a lot of company this really Buzz. wants to, you know, capitalize on it. Yeah. Cash in on that. Don't know who that genius was who came up with that idea, but here you are. <laughs> he got a raise, probably. Okay, what's the next headline? Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, and the Daddy's Home people are doing a musical Christmas Carol thing. Not a great plan. I'd like to take his his face off. You know. It's, it's like I just like did Mad Lib. Yeah, it sounds like a Mad Lib. It sounds like. Name two famous actors, yeah. a random movie. And a genre. And go. a genre. And go. <laughs> Musical Christmas Carol. <laughs> so it's um, Reynolds and Farrell are teaming up for a musical take on the holiday classic being a Christmas Carol. Um, everyone has their favorite version of the Christmas Carol, whether it be the Muppets yep. or the original from the 30s, which isn't really the original, but still. Um, so now Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds wants in on that. It's going to be a musical and it's going to be written and directed by the guys who did the daddy's home movies. Okay. So Sean Anders and John Morns. Those movies weren't amazing, but I enjoyed both of them. And one of them is a Christmas one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed both of them. So, um, I mean, Will Ferrell's super funny. I know you really love Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen enough of his stuff to like weigh in. Do either of them sing? Uh, Will Ferrell does. He he can sing. He can carry he, a tune. He can carry a tune quite well. I would say even beyond that, I think he's a very good singer. Okay. Ryan Reynolds, I've heard him sing in like a funny way. <laughs> Which isn't always good. Yeah. That so you can't really make a movie he, out yeah, of singing. Like I feel like he can carry a tune, but Will Ferrell, I would say is a singer. Yes. Okay. Um, it begs the question, do we need another Christmas Carol movie? I mean, no. <laughs> I would like to see a Will Ferrell with my favorite. John C. Riley, who yeah, also can sing. There's John C. Riley's gonna be in this. He'll play he'll like play Mr. Cratchit or whatever. Cratchit, or he'll play someone, one of the Christmas ghosts. Past. He'll be in there. You're not don't worry about it. He's okay. he's gonna be in there. Okay. There's no way Will Ferrell and the Daddy's Home people are gonna do a movie and be like, oh, we're it's a musical and we're not gonna bring in John C. Riley. Of course they are. He's gonna be in it. Because he's a very talented Absolutely. singer. Absolutely. He he will have some role in it. I'm sure it's just Will Ferrell will be Scrooge and Ryan Reynolds will be maybe Bob Cratchit, and then John C. Riley will be maybe one of the ghosts who right. will have a song like i'm sure they'll do something for the, for him so yeah there, there you go, go. There, you have that to look forward cool. to cool we know no other de- there's no other details okay so that's all we know keep our eye that. on that though because we're going to keep talking about this anytime we get news uh <laughs> do we have one more headline to do yes let's let's do it evil dead remake director fede alarez to produce halloween style texas chainsaw massacre revival not a great plan i'd like to take his his face Oh. Eh. Again, we have about a minute to talk about this. Word but soup. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, not I, even war. It doesn't really warrant a minute. This is this is how I feel like how Hollywood does it now. It's just they they have a, a pile of directors and a pile of genres and a pile of remakes intellectual property. and intellectual properties, and they're just like, okay, pull one, 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 and here you go. <laughs> yeah, just like a Yahtzee or whatever. <laughs> so he um is putting together the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. It's going to be a direct sequel to um Tobey Hopper's original movie from 1974. Oh, it's a sequel. Yeah, it's a okay. sequel. It's not um not a I guess in a sense it's a, a reboot, but it's a sequel. But it's a sequel. Okay. Completely ignoring the other direct sequels that were made. In the <laughs> well, 2000s. of course, that's what you do now. <laughs> um, again, it begs the question: Do we need another Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Apparently, Hollywood thinks we do. At least we're in purgatory, and this is what we get in this timeline. Yeah, and if if there's a title that they can attach that people recognize, they think people will go see it. So, truth and time will tell. He is should be noted. He's not directing. 
He's just, a just he's just a producer okay. and probably will be you know yeah. steering the Set ship the in a way. Um, but yeah. There you go. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode this week. Uh, Thank you, everybody, uh, for, for listening. Go see some movies.